Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hello, everybody. I'm JT, and this is Grilling at the Green. As you know, the Portland Classic wrapped up a week or so ago, and today we're going to be talking with one of the sponsors, the golf course superintendent, along with Dr. Chaz from the Oregon State University Turf Sciences uh, Program, and Mark Gans, the CEO of Tournament Golf Foundation. Our thanks goes out to Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended for supporting Grilling at the Green. So let's get the ball rolling with Tim Novotny from the Oregon Crab Commission, one of the sponsors of the Portland Classic. When a, an event like the Portland Classic um, comes to the Crab Commission and you have to weigh the value of being involved with it, you know, it's all about dollars, and you're not a private company. You've got to, if somebody really wants to look, they can look, mm-hmm. you know, in the books, so to speak. How do you do that? And then you tell me what you think the value is with being aff- affiliated with, like, um, the Portland Classic. That's a great question, Jeff. And and we start, first of all, by having uh, a subcommittee of our board that helps me out a great deal. Uh, the other thing is that... Uh, we are charged with enhancing the image of Oregon Dungeness Crab, and, and we can do that a number of different ways. Uh, one of the ways is uh, even in the down season, right now we're in the off season, uh, is by trying to align ourselves with other partners of quality. Sure. And, uh, you know, so we look first, uh, is this a, a partner of quality? Uh, we look to find out, is this match the uh, kind of our, our target demographic, uh, which uh, uh, generally is, uh, you know, we're looking for people who are, are foodies, uh, people who are, um, you know, enjoy Oregon Dungeness Crab, can, right. can uh, get a chance to get to Oregon Dungeness Crab uh, uh, when they are available. Uh, and then the other thing we like to find is if we can find partners that are um, also going to be contributing in some way to the community around. And, uh, you know, that's something that we try to do. And so if we can find a partner that also contributes to the community, uh, that's a win-win for us. And and the Portland uh, Classic has a a long history, whether it's bringing in young golfers to learn or um, through some of their other partners giving back to the community in various ways over the course of their lifetime. That was something that was appealing to us as well you got to start them early. Not just from golf, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie guy, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you got to start them early on on good quality food if you can and not be afraid to try things and i think that's a, a marvelous position for the crab commission that was take. exactly that was a, that that lined up very well the thing one of the things that the uh, lpga event here in portland tries to do is to uh, reach out to young golfers young uh, female golfers in this case, uh, but uh, uh, you know, trying to grow the game uh, from youth on up, and we're trying to grow our our image and our fan base uh, for Oregon Dungeness Crab from youth on up. And so again, it, it just kind of really lined up well uh, with what they're trying to do and what we're trying to do, and it, it just uh, made uh, an uh, ideal sense for us to partner with that kind of uh, uh, an organization. No samples, though. We have a little bit. We do bring a little bit, but it's in the off-season. Samples can be a little bit hard to come by because Oregon Dungeness Crab is a a finite resource uh, off of Oregon's coast. They are still uh, uh, catching them up north a little bit at this point of the year, but for uh, Oregon Dungeness Crab, our season goes from December 1st to August 14th. Well, December 1st, God willing, when we start. Right. Uh, And then it ends up August 14th, and so... Uh, in the off season, it can be a little di- difficult to find, but we were able to scra- uh, scrape together a little bit to bring out for the pairings dinner to uh, share with some folks. And uh, this year as well, uh, with some help from one of our other uh, partners, Pacific Seafood, we were sure. able to bring some crab out to the uh, champions uh, tent for uh, the Sunday uh, event wrap up. I'm trying to think how I can wiggle my way. In <laughs> You're there. still yeah. trying to get some. <laughs> I'm still trying to get some crab there. I, I uh, we can probably find you somebody. We have to wait a little bit till the, yeah. till the season rolls around again. But I think we could probably find a sample. We do like to get out and get uh, people to try uh, Oregon Dungeness crab, especially people who uh, haven't had a chance to try it or, or haven't had it in a while to, you know, kind of make that love connection happen once again. You know, one of the things we've done in the uh, pre pandemic era that we're looking forward to maybe being able to get back to again, they used to have a crab day down at the Oregon aquarium in Newport. And we used to come out with uh, a little uh, bag of fry legs, uh, the, the muscular arm part of the crab, and especially try to find the youngsters who are coming through and see, if they wanted to give it a try and it, you know it's it's hit or miss sometimes when they're young sure. but uh, if you can find one who's willing to give it a try and and if they like it at that point like you said if you can get them uh, at, at an early age whether it's uh, golf at, at the lpga event or whether it's uh, a fry leg at the oregon dungeness uh, crab commission or at the uh, oregon aquarium you can get a fan for life at that point well i i like the way you uh you know, you picked a quality event. I mean, I know you guys get hit with tons of requests every day. Anybody who's in any type of management or business, there's so many events, a lot of charity events. Most all of them are very worthwhile, but it is hard to make the final selection. But you're right, I think, just in an overview, is that the Crab Commission's mission, if you will, or part of its mission goes hand in hand with the lpga too with all the things they do it really does and you know it's uh, we are blessed among the four seafood commodity commissions uh that we have had some success in recent years uh we are our commission is fully funded by the fishermen uh right. that's uh, you know something that you know we don't want to lose sight of that all of these partnerships are are 
basically uh, courtesy of the 420-some permit holders that go and fish in uh, the most... uh, egregious of elements uh, it's pretty tough out there in those months yeah and they come in and and they put one percent of that uh, value that they bring in into the oregon dungeness crab commission to allow us to run and a portion of that then we go and try to find uh, where we can help continue to find uh, marketing partnerships and uh, sponsorships and sponsorships has been fairly new for us uh, at least on a on a grander scale, but one of the ideas behind that was to find uh, the uh, emotional connections that come with being a part of things that other people care about. Right, and those can tend to be lifelong uh, memories. Those can be lifelong uh, partnerships. When when you step up and you make a commitment to help. Uh, support something that is important to somebody else, right. like the LPGA Portland event is to so many people, or like uh, some of the uh, events like the uh, Portland Seafood and Wine Festival are, or whether it's the ducks and the beavers are to so many people. If you can go beefs, uh, yeah, go beefs. <laughs> if you can be a, if you can be a part of that, uh, the people who. Uh, are uh, find those uh, groups or those teams uh, an important part of their life, and they see that you're stepping up uh, to help them out. They uh, uh, they that's not lost on them. They no. they stay with you a lot longer uh, through thick and thin. And uh, right now, you know, fortunately, we've had some thick. But, uh, you know, thin's always right around the corner. And we're hoping that, uh, you know, through these types of events, they'll be with us when thin comes knocking at the door. Do you find yourself, (coughs) excuse me, in competition at times with other uh, crab commodities up and down the coast or even from the East Coast or the Gulf? I think you have to take that viewpoint. I think you have to... uh, uh, I, I, I do. I, I believe, uh, you know, the men and women of the industry have to uh, take that viewpoint. You're always, I mean, we believe uh, we're, you know, at the top. Right. But uh, unless you are always out there and get a chance to remain in front of uh, the consumer, um, you know, what I, you know, what I've said is, you know, look, we're, you know, we are a outstanding um, uh, dining option. We'll be back with Jim Myers and Dr. Chaz after these words from our sponsors. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Do you need a little help with your practice? Well, who doesn't? I recommend you try Birdie Ball, the most inventive golf practice device created in the last 20 years. Go to birdieball.com and get your birdie balls today. Now let's see how Jim Myers and Dr. Chaz held up during the Portland Classic. You work up here all the time, but this week you've done something a little special. You brought up Dr. Chaz and you're getting a lot of data off the, the course, the you know the temperatures the 
the water, the moisture, all that stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, so I had uh, Dr. Chas come in um, from Oregon State University, and he's uh, helped us collect data. It's a good way for us to uh, measure green speeds and be able to uh, figure out what we're going to do each day. Do we double cut? Do we single cut? Do we roll? And by uh, Dr. Chas collecting that data gives us an opportunity to be able to see uh, where we need to be for green speeds. With that said, um, I can go into what uh, we actually collected, and that's uh, actually green speed. We did uh, moisture volume content, and we also did firmness readings. And those kind of go hand in hand with the firmness readings and the speeds, especially with the pin locations and the amount of slope. Right. So how's this been for you, Doc? Uh, it's, it's been really fun. Uh, usually I'm used to taking data on research plots, and it, it doesn't really mean anything until I analyze the data months later. And uh, so this is kind of cool that we uh, get to collect the data and make split-second decisions on, on how we're going to manage the turf. So it's been really enjoyable. Do you do it quickly, like you just said, and then come back to it and visit it later for long-term use? Or, or what's that entire process like for all our uh, golf grass, you know, geeks out there like I am? Yeah, so each morning we would go out and we would take stemp uh, right after the mowing and the rolling. So we're doing it about, we'd start about 4 a.m. We would start taking the data. And then after the first three or four holes, we would make a decision if the green speed is fast enough or too fast. So um, it was more so we were looking at do we need to do a double cut to kind of get the green speed up. So earlier in the week, we were kind of making those decisions on do we pull the trigger and mow again and get the green speeds up or, or are we right where we want it? And Early in the week, we had to uh, pull out a double cut for a couple days to kind of bump the green speed up. And mm-hmm. since we've kind of been drying out, we've maintained and kind of kept that green speed throughout the tournament. So it's been very consistent, and I think it's been uh, useful for us to, to make decisions instead of just saying a gut feeling we should, we should double cut. Um, we were thinking this morning after the moisture in the air and a little bit of water right. we did last night, we, we were pretty sure we were going to have to double cut. But then after doing the first three greens, doing our data collection on that, and we were exactly the same where we were at yesterday, so we left it and kept it consistent. So I think it's been really helpful to, to guide our decisions and make us confident in what we're deciding. So. And how will you apply this data to long-term use? I mean, I'm sure you'll share it with Jim because he's the one that got you here yeah. in the data collection. But how does this fit into your overall research? Um, so I think this will be helpful for coming back next year when we're looking at um, green speeds and how we're managing it. And I think kind of what we did this week is a good kind of model and how we could kind of do it next next year. Um, and um, it's just good to have that information and, and good to be consistent. So if, if there's any kind of uh, feedback that we get that it wasn't consistent or it was consistent, you know, we kind of have the data back that up and prove that, you know, we were pretty darn consistent all week long. The green speeds... Um, stayed right at the same um, the whole entire week. I think we were at 13.3 for the entire week. And our firmness um, stayed pretty close. We got a little firmer as the week went on, yeah. which is what we were intending to do. Um, but it, but it's very playable out there. So, Well, that that's kind of the way it is on all the tournaments. I mean, it, they get faster as they get a little drier, a little more baked, it seems like, when you're watching them on TV. Yeah. How many other courses do you work with, or do you work specifically with Jim? Um, so we have a diagnostic lab at Oregon State, so we um, get a lot of disease and insect samples in, and then um, we do do site visits. So this has been one of the harsher summers we've seen in quite a while in Oregon. Um, we've got some insect pests that are coming in, not only on golf courses, but home lawns. So billbugs is, is a big insect pest, and their larvae feed on the roots and um, can kill the grass. So that's been a, a tough one this year. So I've made quite a few house calls, if you will, to yeah. uh, golf courses to see see damage, but 
Um, Jim and I are good hockey buddies, so we have our Friday meetings in the locker room, and we discuss what's going on on the golf course, and then I try to make it up once a month and do a course walk with Jim and just see how things are going and um, it's it's not a bad office for uh, no. For, for I was going to say that's a that's a great reason, quote unquote, to come up here. Yeah, and do that. So did you did you putt on any of the greens? Just FYI. Uh yeah. So I I we played uh, a round on Friday before the the tournament started, and um, I, I three putted quite a few. So it uh, <laughs> it was a good challenge. I was telling Jim yesterday that we've been doing stint meter and watching the ball roll, but we should probably take a putter out and see. Uh, see the punishment we're putting them through out here because it's uh they're tough greens but they they run very true so they're they're not deviating from the line so you can if you're putting well you can make a lot of putts out here and i think we're seeing that there's a there's a lot of the the women that are making long putts and making really good putts because of how true they're rolling right so i got to play this back in july i think uh for a benefit and of course i know you jim and you've been on the show a number of times and You've helped me with questions I've had about my own house. Uh, but I thought the course looked in phenomenal shape back then. So I knew you'd be, you know, bringing it up a couple notches prior to the tournament. So yeah. congratulations on that, by yeah. the way. Yeah, thank you. It's been really good. Um, you know, we've enjoyed the golf course all summer. Been in pretty good shape. You know, it's uh, as having Dr. Chaz here and collecting that data, it's actually going to help me in the long run, too. You know, with uh, my member guest events, uh, my uh, club championship, we have that data collected. I was only able to collect maybe um, four or five greens. Uh, one of our assistants um, would uh, collect uh, data for me, and then we would input that. Um, Jake Sobel, our uh, assistant, worked pretty hard on that for me. And uh, now bringing Dr. Chaz in, I was able to do every green. Once you can do every green, then you have more of a firm uh, understanding of where you're at with moisture content sure. and speed. So it really gives us an opportunity to be able to have better management practices when we're maintaining the golf course. Excellent, excellent. Do you ever think Oregon State will have a division just for golf courses? I know you got a golf team there, but, I mean, at, through the Ag Department, would you have a, a, a golf course-centric program there to help them? Yeah, so we do have a, a, a turf grass program at Oregon State right. University. So I work under Al Kovaleski, who is the extension specialist in turf grass, and so we've got a undergraduate turf program where we train undergraduate students uh, including a few that volunteered this week out here. Uh, and then also we do some continuing education uh, uh, as well. So we do some adult education for people that are non-traditional students that uh, don't have time to necessarily do an undergrad degree. Right. They can do online classes and train for that. And then we do research as well. So um, we do contract research for, for chemical companies, fertilizer companies, and then we also do grant-funded research. So sure. um, we, we help out with diseases and insects and um, anything our stakeholders, our superintendents want to know, we kind of dive into and, and do the research on. So, oh, that's very cool. It's fun to have a immediate impact. You know, I can run my data, present it to the superintendent, and they can be out applying those uh, what we found in our research the next day. So, grilling at the green will return in just a few moments. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm Jeff Tracy, your host. We'd like to thank Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef just like your grandpa used to raise. Check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com.
Mark Gans made a terrific career out of being a CEO of large companies. But when you volunteer to run a nonprofit that holds a large and very important LPGA tournament, it's a different story. I talked to Mark after the Portland Classic about how it was being in the commander's chair for this event. And I'm surprised he's even sitting upright after the last two weeks. Uh, but Mark, welcome back. And I wanted to, uh, uh, this was your first year as chairman. And I kind of wanted to get your overview of how you thought it went. Uh, I thought it went well. So, um, well, thank you. I saw you out there and I, I, I and you have a, you have a, you have a careful eye. So <laughs> if you think it went well, then that makes me happy. Um, I would say it was a remarkable achievement this year because uh, for the first time in a very, very long time, uh, maybe ever, but I, I probably way back when, when the in 1970s, um, it might have been an all-volunteer um, effort. But this year, it was an all-volunteer effort. The leadership of the key areas of the tournament were um were volunteers from our board mm -hmm. uh, and first among them was rick mccloskey who uh agreed to be the tournament director and did it all uh with no remuneration um but he did it uh he just did a superb job and darcy hansen uh, also a member of the board she took on all of the food and beverage and entertainment and pair you know the planning for the pairings party, uh, for the pro-am and all of those things, and just did also a superb job, um, both lining up sponsors that provided great food like Salties um, and uh, Oregon Bev that provided probably some of the best and most interesting beverages we've had on site uh, in years. Uh, we had food carts uh, that were super popular. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so those two individuals stand kind of above in terms of just how much time they spend. And then there were people like Bill Cherney, who's in charge of all the volunteers. And that's an enormous effort of orchestrating the volunteer captains for the various pieces, whether it was marshals or scorers or, um, you know, the people who deliver the you know, the water to the ice chests and make sure that the players can stay hydrated or that remove the garbage, you know, and the trash that builds up from all the spectators. I mean, it's just, it's a Herculean effort. And this year it was volunteers that powered it completely. And I'm really proud of all of us volunteers sure. that made it happen. Uh, you know, we had, we had certain subcontractors that did things like build the the grandstands and you know and you know those are the you know laid all the cable and the lines um but even some of that was also part of sponsorship such as what xfinity did for us and it's just it's just a remarkable thing to see the community come together because they care about this tournament and and find a way to put it on and put it on in a professional manner and do it with all sweat equity and with no ex expectation of pay makes me very, very proud and, and humbled to be a part of this organization and this community that that came together to make it happen. How was it received uh, as far as the numbers of spectators? Um, I, I thought it looked good, but I don't know the numbers are even close well, to it. 
I don't know. I'm 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 always suspect when people try to give estimates of numbers when you're on as something as 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 uh, vast as a golf course. Right. We did not. I'll tell you, we didn't have clickers at the at the gate um, counting people in. Maybe we should have. But I will. I looked at the parking lot, um, which was a pretty big field where mm-hmm. we had parking, and I've never seen in all the time I've been a part of this. I've never seen. Um, the parking lot so full on a Friday it was remarkable um, on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, where we actually, we mowed more of the field to make room for more cars because it was more than we expected. And those got filled up on Saturday and Sunday. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd like to think what was interesting, Jeff, is we did not spend a lot of money on promotion this year. Um, you know, in the past we've had, um, billboards and and uh more tv and radio kind of advertising but this year we we didn't and we relied more on social media um and earned media opportunities Mm -hmm. and we had really strong partners in kgw primarily and, and kptv and they really you know they there were some great stories this year um, prior to the tournament related to some of the amateurs that we're going to play local local amateurs and then it helped i think that our local hero caroline inglis yes uh, you know really <laughs> probably had her best ever lpga tournament and did it on her home course and that was a great story and i think it th- those kinds of things brought the crowds out and then of course we could not have had better weather this year it was yeah. like perfect temperature and no smoke and you know it was just and very little wind it was just a beautiful weekend i I think you had a mark i think you had kind of an omen there for the all the new people involved especially at the management end in the different Mm -hmm. positions and i know when i i came out to the course on thursday and then of course i was there over the weekend but just kind of looking at the atmosphere and like you said, looking at the weather and knowing what the weather was going to be like, it was like, yeah, there's a, there's a force greater than us that's saying (laughs) you should have this tournament now. So I looked at it. I would say we weren't lacking in prayers uh, throughout (laughs) the whole week. (laughs) And uh, I believe in, in grace and uh, we got some grace, but the, you know, the the things that I was also really excited about that I just feel super good and the LPGA was excited about it uh, was the introduction of the family fund zone, which was mm-hmm. um, the focus of Umqua Bank's uh, new sponsorship of the tournament. And, you know, we brought in um, an organization from Chicago called Discover Golf. Right. And they're a young company with young people that love golf and really care about growing the game with young people and making it fun as opposed to like a technical sport you know but starting by making it fun and they use tennis balls and Mm -hmm. other things that place we had a lot of families that came on saturday and came back on sunday because and they said well our kids kind of insisted we come again because they loved that family fun zone and it creates such a great portal into the tournament uh, for they and their families and then the other outstanding event was the the junior girls uh, par three 
event that took place on Saturday afternoon. And we had some LPGA pros that came over and made appearances and signed autographs. And one of them who even caddied for one of the young players (laughs) just on the spur of the moment. I mean, they were just awesome. And the tournaments were really well received by the kids and their families that came along and walked with them. And it kind of warmed my heart to go over there and see it. That was a focus of Les Schwab Tires sponsorship of our tournament. And the Les Schwab Tires CEO was there uh, just prior to the uh, beginning um, of the tournament. Now here's Bruce Furman with our golf tip of the week. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms. And um, I'm going to talk to you a little tip about a pre-shot routine. In golf, the ball is still. No one's hitting it at you, throwing it at you. So you got to develop a routine. Golf's a little bit like serving a tennis ball or, or shooting a free throw. You have to have a routine. So first thing you do is get behind your ball, visualize your shot, take, in, take into account the lie, the wind, and so forth. And then that's the time to get a little, whatever swing thoughts you're going to use. And then you, you take a little practice swing, feel that swing. And then you go ahead and step into the batter's box, or in this case, the golfer's box. Come in with your right foot, set your club down. Once your club down is, is down behind the ball and aim, and aim the face, then you step into it. And it, then you jostle your feet or jockey your feet back and forth and waggle your club. You want to waggle it in a, in a clockwise uh, attitude. And as you're waggling and jockeying your feet, you want to look at the target. So it's better to stare at the target and glance at the ball rather than stare at the ball. So once you've stepped into it with your feet, the ball should be gone within four seconds. You don't want to stand there over the ball. If you've got too many swing thoughts, you're going to struggle. So step into it, waggle, look at the target, and pull the trigger. If you do that, you're going to be a lot more consistent. Thank you, Bruce. You can find out more about Bruce Furman and his clinics and private instruction programs by going to langdonfarms.com and clicking on the instruction icon. It'll drop down, and by golly, there's Bruce. We'll be back and talk more with Mark Gans right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Here is more of my visit with Mark Gans, CEO of Tournament Golf Foundation. That is my number one takeaway is the the goodness of people when they're committed to a cause that is larger than themselves. Yep. And you know, you know, Jeff, that there's a lot of people in this world that don't operate on that, on that basis. And our tournament has run into people like that before. Um, but this year we really, it was, it was a fresh day. It was, it just felt really good. So that was number one. And I guess number two, which is kind of a corollary of that is, um, you know, putting on a tournament is a, is a very complex, um, affair. Yes. And, um, and it takes a lot of diplomacy as well as hard work, uh, and, uh, a lot of listening because there's a lot of different interests. The LPGA will point out something and say, well, we, we want this to happen. And you have to have a good attitude and listen and evaluate it and take it seriously and, and try to deliver that. Um, if somebody makes a request that's 
not appropriate or is not, yeah, I guess I would just say, you know, you have to know how to be diplomatic and firm in saying, you know, that's not going to happen. That's not, we don't do that. That's not how we operate. Um, And this week entailed a lot of all of that. (laughs) Yes. People really kept their cool and, and, and kept focused on the big picture. And so that would be my second observation. And then third is the most important thing is when all of those things happen, keeping it, um, if you will, invisible from the people you're there to serve, which are Mm -hmm. the players and the, the patrons that come, the fans, so that what they just see is a really fun tournament with great competitors and a great champion in the at the end of the day and and uh you know i think we'll we we i know i had many lessons learned this year just things that i had never done before or never seen i think rick mccloskey probably had that to a factor of 10 just because he was so much closer to the operations and i think it will help us next year be more even more sort of anticipatory around certain things that might happen and and we'll do an even better job. Oh, I think you're off to a screaming start, you know, and that's a positive thing. And um there were I times looked, when I wanted to scream. But... I know that. I know that. <laughs> but we didn't. <laughs> I know that. I ran into you once when you know I had to kind of say, Mark here, bite this stick and go away. <laughs> you know, so uh Anyway, no, I thought you guys did a tremendous job. I was really happy to see it back at Columbia Edgewater. Um, I think the fans were incredibly happy that it was back at Columbia Edgewater. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got a tremendous army of volunteers that really work good. I don't, I want to ask you a question though. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but, and uh, there's a volunteer that works out in the volunteer tent, Bobby. She's a lady. She's been working in those volunteer tents for years. She kind of organizes the tents. And I don't know if you know this, but she's been battling cancer uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. And she's got a great attitude. I always go over, make at least one trip over to see her. We became friends years ago. And she was still doing chemo in the when the tournament was going on but wow that i did not know that but that speaks to that kind of commitment exactly exactly and she's like no this is a big part of my life and she used to work when the winco was here she worked at the winco volunteer tent too but her real commitment i think has always been to the lpga so um good for her yeah we're very grateful for her commitment. Yeah, she's she's a tremendous lady. And uh, but I didn't know if you knew anything about her, but yeah. but maybe someday you'll get a chance to meet her because I don't even well, think hopefully she'll be back next year. I think so. <laughs> and, and maybe I, be on the other side of cancer. That would be wonderful. If I was a betting man, which I am, I would bet on Bobby. Trust me on that one. So Mark Gantz, CEO of Tournament Golf Foundation, and uh, he's just ca- trying to catch his breath after the the uh portland classic the amazing creed portland classic there and mark you're to be commended for you and your team putting on a great event 
Thank you. That's going to do it this week for Grilling at the Green. Next week, we'll have Lisa Cornwell, formerly of the Golf Channel, and now working with the PGA Tour on their streaming broadcast. So that's going to be a great show. Little note here, we will be posting not only the regular show, but the extended interview versions of each of today's guests. So be sure to catch those on the podcast. For everyone here, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Take care and go play some golf. Willing at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.